Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. We're looking at John chapter 10 today. We're just picking up. If you didn't know already, we're currently in a series. Uh, it's part three of Kingdom Keys series, as I've called it. And uh hope you're getting something from this in the last couple of weeks, week one and week two. Uh, looking at some of the things of what I believe the kingdom of God is for us. When I mentioned earlier that when we operate in the kingdom of God and some of the exciting things we've been seeing at Freshers Fair has come from, it comes from an understanding of what, where we stand in the kingdom of God. And the Bible talks many times and interchangeably uses about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said that the kingdom of God has come near to you. In fact, he told us to go and preach that to people, that the kingdom of God is here. That's what he said. He didn't go and say, go and tell them I've got some lovely ideas and come and look at my church. He said, go and tell them that the kingdom of God is here or it's near. And so I want to encourage you that I believe that God's kingdom, when we fully understand it, we'll never fully grasp it. But when we get to grips with what it means, it will change the way that we operate as believers. I can say to you, for I've said it many times, for 13 years I've been in this church. In fact, it's nearly 14 years. been in Cambridge now 18 years. And in this church alone, in the time, I've had some great teaching. I have been filled with great teaching. And I have heard some fantastic messages that have encouraged me. But I've come to understand that when Jesus said in John chapter 4 that the, the, the food that he has is to do the will of the Father is actually the meat of the word. When you put it into practice, James says we've got to put it into practice. You've got to put action on the word. And I've come to learn that putting action on the word is better than any sermon you'll ever hear. So I might preach this today, it might come across well, and we're going to pray that God speaks into our heart today. But the best thing you could ever learn is actually to do what Jesus did. Amen? And it will really reveal to you what God's kingdom is. I'm just going to pray. Father, we ask that you'll speak into our hearts today. Prepare our hearts to receive your word. And I pray that, Lord, you'll challenge us, take us into another level. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So last week we were looking in week two, just to recap on that, we were looking at what it means in the kingdom of God to have identity. The first week we looked at insight. We said that when we become believers, when we give our lives to Jesus, when we come into that relationship, we find through salvation, God gives us insight. One of the key things I said that week is that many people, uh, you speak to scientists, I, I have many conversations on the streets with atheists, scientists, people who are trying, I, in fact I had one on Tuesday night last week for nearly one hour with a drunken guy who was trying to tell me me that God didn't exist. In the end, many people would have probably given up. But do you know what I said to him? I said, I'm not here to debate. I'm not here to, ha- to argue. But can I ask one thing that you do? Go and read the book of John and give me a call in a, few, in a few weeks and I'll meet you and we'll talk about it. And that's what I said to him. And he said he promised to do that. Well, whether he does or not, I'm not sure. But listen, we're not here for debates and arguments. God gives you in the kingdom of God insight. That's what we looked at week one. Insight that is supernatural and above the natural. 
Listen to me. You can try and read every book of how the creation started. You can look at all the best scholars in the universities here that are far more intelligible than me. But I'm telling you something. When God it says in the book of Ecclesiastes that he sets eternity in our hearts, there's not one professor in this whole world who will ever be able to set eternity in your heart. It can't be done. The miracles that occurred the other day in Freshers' Fair, the healings that occurred, people were staggered, but I turned around to them and said, there's, not other, there's no other God that can do this. You will not find it. Tell me where you can see it here. And God did these miracles and he brings insight supernaturally for us to see that he is the one. He is the creator of heaven and earth. I don't want to have debates with people, but I know that when he sets eternity in my heart, that is a treasure that I'll hold on to the day that I die. And I won't die because I'm going to be with him forever. Amen. But he gives us insight. He shows us the riches of his kingdom. The things that are available to us in that sense. And then last week, just to recap quickly, I would encourage you to listen to these messages online, the week one and week two, to get a a greater understanding of where we're going with this. But last week we looked at identity. What does it mean to have identity? When you get insight into the kingdom of God and you fully understand and he sets eternity in your heart and you try and you start to understand a different perspective, not because of your natural knowledge, but because of supernatural knowledge. When you see insight, then you will gain identity. You'll know who you are. And we looked at last week in the story of the prodigal son. I said that many people, you've heard that story, the prodigal son that goes away, he asks his father for the inheritance, the split of the inheritance, to go and squander the wealth. And many of us know that story of the prodigal son who leaves, but many of us don't, I I, I retitled it last week as, not the prodigal son, but the amazing dad. Because when you understand that you don't have a God who is far away, who is telling you what to do and demanding this this kind of character from you that you, sometimes you can't fulfill, but he's a father in heaven who loves you. When you grasp that and understand it, you will gain identity. You see, the prodigal son who wandered away, he ended up losing everything. And he was there, it says, he was eating, he was wanting to eat the, the, the pig's food, it says. And he, and he didn't even want to go back to his father. But eventually he does, and he goes back to his father, and he says, I'll just be a servant for you. But if, remember in the story, the father gives him a brand new robe, a ring, sandals on his feet, and gives him the identity, not a new identity, he gives him the identity that he should have had to start with. His bloodline identity, that he is a son, you are a daughter. In the kingdom of God. We looked at last week that we're children in Romans 8, 15. We receive the spirit of adoption. Sons, as we cry, Abba, Father. We looked at the fact that we're citizens. We are citizens. You have dual citizenship. Did you know that? We have dual citizenship. You have citizenship on this earth, but you also have a citizenship in heaven. Paul said it, Philippians 3, verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven. Amen. Finally, we looked last week at that we are not only citizens and children, but we are God's chosen. I love the t-shirt that Chris was wearing this morning when she walked in. She goes, do you like my new t-shirt? He says, chosen on the front. I want one of those. Chosen. We are chosen people. If you never thought that some of us think we're here by accident, God says, I have chosen you. You're my children, my beloved children. Today, 
I want to move on quickly, but today I want to look at in part three. I want to look at the fact that in the kingdom of God, it brings intimacy. Intimacy. I believe that the worship this morning, no one knows what I'm preaching on. I thank God. I love it when I don't tell the worship leaders what I'm preaching on because I, I wait for God to do what he wants to do and merge it all together. I don't like planning too much. And I love it when I see what we're singing about and what God's trying to speak to us through, that it links up exactly what I'm going to say. That's what, that's what you call spirit-led worship. Not planning too much so it all sounds fantastic and it has no link. But that is when the Spirit of God speaks to each and every one of us. I believe God's got something to say to us today. Amen. Part three today is the kingdom of God will bring intimacy. Intimacy. Jesus said that the kingdom has come near to you in Matthew chapter 4. Near to you. You know, I don't know what you think about that. He says the kingdom of God is at hand, it says. It's not too far away. You put your hand in front. You can't get it too far away, can you? It's not that far away. The kingdom of God is so close to you, you can't even see it. It's there. It is there in you. But I believe there's far more than just it being a religious, far, far away God. How many times I, uh, I watch the kids' films and they put films on the TV and it starts off with, in a kingdom far, far away. So far away, it's just not even reality. And they love it, don't they? They love to get into this fact that this is just amazing. It could never exist. And how many times we watch Frozen, I do not know. I feel Frozen. They've even, the kids come back the other day, they're now singing in their Harvest Festival, or they sung the other day in the Harvest Festival, let it grow, let it grow. <laughs> Not let it go. How many times I've heard these songs, these, these uh, demonstrations, or these, the, these amazing cartoons that seem to, they can create anything now. And they always start off within a kingdom far, far away. And do you know some of us, we think we treat the, our, our faith in Christianity just like that. We come on Sundays and it's like, it's a film. It's like, actually, I've read the book and it, it sounds pretty good. It sounds pretty decent, this, this whole thing. But I'm just going to leave that aside till next Sunday. I'm going to sing the songs next Sunday. I'm going to go away for a week, back to my job and live in my other citizenship, which is earth. And I'm going to try and operate like that. And then I'll come back and worship you next week in the kingdom far, far away. But Jesus says the kingdom is near to you. It's not far, far away. It's not uh, something that is an idea, fantasy, or fiction. But it's truth. Our God is a God of close relationship, not far off dictatorship. Do you understand that? He's a God of relationship. With intimacy, it demands relationship. You look at John chapter 10, if you're with me this morning, we're going to read. The very words of Jesus Christ himself. He says, very truly, verse 1, I tell you Pharisees, speaking to the religious leaders at the time, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other ways, a thief and a robber, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand 
what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, listen, in in the first few verses we just read in one to six, Jesus never said in those verses that he was the gate or the, he never said anything about him being the shepherd. Now, verse seven, he says, therefore, Jesus said again, truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. That's the false prophets, the ones who've come before saying, where, where the Christ? Jesus says, verse 9, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd, says Jesus. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have another sheep. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. If you want to capture that in verse 16, he's talking about you. That's what he's talking about. Verse 16, he says, I have other sheep, says Jesus. They are not of this sheep pen. The people who's talked to at the time. He says, I must bring them also. In other words, I know about some sheep that you've got no idea about. Because this message is going to be for the Gentiles. It's going to be for everyone to go around the whole world. I love verse 16. Verse 17. He says this, Jesus. The reason, and I want you to capture this. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Listen to this, verse 19. If you just sat under that sermon from Jesus, this is what they said. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? Others said, These are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Listen, we try to look after our speakers, our guest speakers when they come here. We try to make sure they got water. We try to make sure they've got plenty of things and they're looked after. They get looked after better than me sometimes. I'm only joking. But we look after them because we care for them. They bring the word of God. Imagine Jesus does this little sermon and after he said, They said to him that he is crazy, demon-possessed. They said he was demon-possessed and crazy. Mainly over the last comment, that he had the power to lay his life down and pick it back up again. I like the fact that Jesus rocked the boat. He was someone who challenged those people. And I really believe that he did in that time. In chapter 9, just before this, the reason why he talks about up, uh, this blind eyes being opened in chapter 9. If you read it, I'm not going to look at it now, but if you read chapter 9, you'll see that Jesus has just healed a man who's been born blind. You'll see if you read that, that the Pharisees, these religious people who seem to know the Bible inside out, they, they, know, the, they know the word of God. 
they are challenging Jesus because they cannot accept this miracle. And that's what's getting them wound up. And Jesus says to them in chapter 9, he says, the reason why you can't see is because you're spiritually blind. You are not physically blind. I've shown you this miracle, but you are spiritually blind. You cannot see. And then at the end they're saying, I'm either, I'm either ones who's blind. And he said, he says, you, you cannot see this. And listen to me. You will not find God just through reading the Bible and getting knowledge. You will find Jesus through relationship as well. The key is relationship. I said to many people the other day in Freshers' Fair, I said it's not about religion, it's about relationship. Relationship will cause you to want to read more about God. Not read about God to try and find Him and then try and get the relationship going. No. Start with relationship. Then you'll want to read more about Him. I believe that God is desiring from us relationship. And that is what will take away your spiritual blindness. That's what he's looking at. Chapter 9, he's saying, guys, you're blind. You can't see. You're trying to look too much into your own intellect. You're trying to look far into your own intellect. You're missing the picture. Don't you realize if you get to know me, you'll understand me. If you get close to me, you'll understand who I am. That I am the real shepherd and you can't jump over the pen and get in like a thief and a robber. You cannot do it that way. You need to get through, through me and I am the way, the truth and the life. And no one gets to the Father except through me. And so many people, even today, you may not think, you might say today, well, that's not me. I, I, I do accept Jesus. Listen to me. We can be looking at trying to get close to God through knowledge all the time. Knowledge, the enemy lusts to get in that place. Listen, this is no disrespect to learning. The guys who go on the Discipleship Explore course today who were talking about it is because they've come to understand that joy of relationship. They want to learn more about him. But it's never the way to jump over the fence just through and miss Jesus out. Miss the relationship out. Jesus wants that relationship. Jesus said this to us, that we should know him. He gives us a very, this is very sobering passage I want us to look at. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 to 23, he says this, Not everyone, speaking kind of at the end times when Jesus returns again, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. There it is. Don't rely on miracles and giftings to be your access to heaven. Because Jesus says it quite clearly here. It's not about how many miracles and healings we can do. You can do that forever. It says that people need to know him. You need to know your God. The gifts and callings come without repentance. Listen to me. It's a dangerous place to be in, but you can operate in the miraculous. You can operate in healing the sick. And let me tell you, God will not take a gift just like a father wouldn't take it from his son or his daughter. He won't remove it. There you need to see this crucial bit of scripture that tells us that God would not take it from you. But you can operate, look spectacular as a Christian, but not have any relationship. Well, let me tell you. The key is we need that relationship. It's more vital than the miracles themselves. To have that relationship. It's a sobering passage 
for us all. And we can build on that relationship that was lost in the Garden of Eden right at the very beginning. Let's look today at four fruits. I'm going to try and go through these quickly. Four fruits of intimacy. Four things you will see from this scripture that Jesus is saying to the Pharisees. Was, he's trying to tell them that they're spiritually blind. What he says to them about it. Number one is that when you get to know Jesus, when you spend time with him, you will know his voice. Boy, oh boy, wouldn't we like to know more of what he sounds like and hear his voice for direction in our lives. But we will know God's voice. We read it earlier in John chapter 10, verse 2. Jesus said, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep, that is us, As believers, listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. A vital part of our relationship, let me tell you, is this. That you get to know him and talk with him. You've got to understand that to get to know Jesus, you need to start spending some time with him. And that's not just rattling off petitions to him and asking all the things we need. Jesus wants us to go into the quiet place and spend some time with him listening to his voice. Sometimes we've got to be quiet. In fact, this morning, the word that came to be still and know that I am God, just sometimes to close it. He says he doesn't want us to babble on like pagans. He knows the things we need. That doesn't mean we don't communicate, but sometimes we need to be quiet and to listen. Listen to me. I have spent some times when I've been in the presence of God and I could spend hours just, just waiting to hear from God. Then all of a sudden God just starts to flow through his spirit and I get to learn that voice. And I want to encourage you today that he wants you to hear his voice clearer, sharper, so you understand that daily communion with him. It's not about a distant God, but he wants us to have that open communication. In Jeremiah 33, 3, he says, Call to me, God, and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you don't know. He says, Call to me. Ask me. Ask me some stuff. Listen, I'm interested in your lives, he's saying. Call to me and and I'll answer you. That's pretty amazing. We were watching um, a film the other week, and, and, and in this film, one of the young boys, it was Jacob, loves this new film that he's been watching. There's a series of them, and it's about this young boy. And the young boy asked the parents, he says, can I have a mobile phone? And then Jacob started to say to me, oh, can I have a mobile phone? I thought, my first mobile phone, I was about 18, 19. I hadn't had any credit on it. I just loved to walk around with it, pretending I got a phone, and he didn't really have any credit. It didn't work really. But you know, now everyone's walking around with mobile phones. And kids are getting them. The age limit's gone down and down and down to the point where now you hear families talking. When, when do you think it's a good time to give your child a phone? I'm thinking, can they actually operate these things? Do they know how to work? And he says, I want one for Christmas. He's seven years old. This is the generation we're living in. When I was seven years old, I had to turn the dial on the phone at home. Or ask for 10p from my, from my dad to go down to the phone box to phone because he wouldn't let me use it because he monitored the bills. We had one phone to share between the whole house. 
Now a seven-year-old is asking me for a mobile phone. And it's crazy, isn't it? But do you know what? I said to him, I said, I can't give you a phone yet. In a few more years, maybe. Let me think about this. And, and you have to think about these things. But then on the film, it was really good because I thought, that's the kind of phone I'm going to give him. They give him the phone, this young boy on the film. And Jacob's looking at says, that's what you'll get. And on, they give him this present. And the mum and dad decide to give him a phone. But on the phone, it's got two buttons. He hasn't got any numbers. These are fantastic phones, by the way. If someone brings these out, this is what I want to buy for Jacob. Because he's got two buttons. It's not got any of the numbers. One is for the emergency services. One is to call home. And that's it. That's what I want my kids to have. Emergency services or home. He says, why has he only got two buttons? It's not like your iPhone. I said, they're the best phones you can ever have. Minimalistic. Two buttons. But I want to encourage you today that God is giving you a mobile phone. He's put unlimited credit. And he says, call to me and, and I will answer you. And tell you great and unsearchable things. He says, I want to give you, wrapped up, there it is, is the, the communication you can have between me and you. We can have great communication. Call the number. Press home and speak with me. I want to encourage you today that God wants to hear you talk to him and also to listen to him in a deeper, greater relationship. Know his voice. John Chapter 8, verse 42 to 47. We should see that on the screen. Jesus said this. If God were your father, you would love me. For I've come here from God. I've not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you're unable to hear what I say. You belong to the father, your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. Not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, speaking of Satan. For he is a liar and the father of lies. He says this, you can't hear my voice because you belong to your father, the devil. It's pretty intense. I'm not sure I want to go to that sermon either. You don't, you don't hear me because you belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. Listen to me. It might sound pretty intense, but Jesus is intense. Because he gets the point across. And he doesn't wishy-washy around it. He says this, that if we're not serving our father in heaven, who is Jesus Christ himself as well, the Trinity. If we're not serving Jesus Christ, if we're not coming to him and trusting him with our lives. Listen, we're only trusting with one other. And he's the father of lies. I speak to many people out there, they say, I'm not, I'm not worship, I don't tell them they're worshiping Satan, but listen, if we don't live for the voice of God, we're listening to another voice. And the media these days are, full, are filling our young people's ears with so much garbage, so much rubbish, and you tell me where it comes from. It comes from the father of lies. It comes right from the very depths of him. He's hidden. It says that he will even mask himself as an angel of light. Don't look for the horns and the wait for Halloween for Satan to come out. Because the devil is, is roaring like a lion all the time. Looking for our children. Looking to go in avenues and access them through media books and things that they're looking at. 
And listen to me, you may say, oh no, 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 this sounds like fantasy. Jesus says, if you ain't listening to my voice, you're, then you're looking to some other voice. And there is a voice that's in our nation at the moment that is taking young children away. I'm telling you something. I look sometimes at the things Jacob will say to me. Uh, I, I want to buy this or I want to look at this book. Some of the things that I see that the kids are looking at these days, I have never seen when I was at his age. The intensity of occultic type books at young age is unbelievable. It is crazy. Because the level of that I never saw when I was a child. And there is a voice that is coming through subtly. And we accept because we said this looks good. It's with the way everyone else is going. But the Bible says that wide is the road that leads to destruction. Narrow is the path that leads to life. There is a voice. And I want to encourage you today to make sure you're listening to the right voice. Make sure your families are feeding in on that right voice. Because it's the bread of life. There is a voice. And I'd... Jesus does not want us to be captured by the voice of the enemy. He says, you can't hear me because you're distracted by all the other stuff. To hear God's voice, to hear Jesus' voice, to get close to him, we've got to start getting rid of some of the other stuff. Decluttering our lives with the rubbish and what our families are listening to as well. To listen to Jesus. Jesus went on to say in that, same bit of scripture in John chapter 8. He says, eight, uh, verse 47, he says, Whoever belongs to God, hears what God says. Whoever belongs to God, hears what God says. If you belong to him, you surrender your life to him, you'll hear what he says. The Bible says that God is a jealous God. He's not jealous. In jealous as has been sinful, to be, to be sinful and, and to be jealous for something is because you don't own something and you're jealous for it. But God has chosen you. You're his children. That's the reason why he's jealous for you. He's jealous because he's lost us through sin. But he's jealous to bring us back to him in relationship. In Exodus chapter 20 verse 4 to 5 it says you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above on earth beneath or on the waters below you shall not bow down to them or worship them for I the Lord your God I'm a jealous God there it is in the word it's not my words in other words God's saying you start giving yourselves to these things you start listening to the voice of what the enemy's got to offer I'm a jealous God and I'm going to come running for my kids I'm going to come looking for you my voice is there. you just got to come and listen. Know his voice today. That comes from spending time with him in that quiet place. Listening. Closing off. Not meditating and emptying yourself to nothing. But saying, Jesus Christ, come and speak into my heart. I want to hear my father's voice. Not the voice of the enemy. Number two today. We need to know God's fullness. Know God's fullness in the kingdom. In John chapter 10, we read it earlier. He said, I am the gate in verse 9. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. He says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Listen to me. You might be sat here this morning thinking, do you know what? Life's pretty rubbish. 
for me at the moment. Life's not good for me at the moment. I don't like the way life's treating me at the moment. Jesus said, take heart, there will be trouble in this world, but I've overcome the world. Listen to me. The Bible says, uh, I met a lady the other day on one of the stands. She says, I'm not interested in God. I'm an atheist, she said. And then I looked on her arm. She had a tattoo and it had a tattoo of London. I said, what's this about? So I talked about a tattoo. She said, oh, London's done so much for me. She said, London, I had a tattoo done on my arm because London has done so much for me. I thought, it's not done much for me. No disrespect to London, but every time I come back, I'm exhausted. I'm absolutely exhausted and I need to come back for a rest. She said, London has done so much for me. She said, it's an anchor for me. It's an anchor for me. And she said, it's been a rock. That's the two things she said. I thought, is this? She's preaching. She's a preacher. She just needs to go on the discipleship explore course. But then she said to me, she said, it's an anchor and a rock. So then I said to her this, I said, do you know that the Bible says that Jesus is an anchor for our souls and he's a rock of our salvation? Did you know that? She says, yes, I do. Actually, I've read that before. I said, listen to me. I said, he's an anchor for your soul. London may be great, but listen to me. Surrender your life to the one who is an anchor for your soul above and beyond everything else. I know that life sometimes gets pretty tough. I know that life gets very, very difficult. And we don't have all the answers to the questions. But Jesus says, I want to give you life to the full. And that's not about life being perfect. But it's about his spirit coming on the inside of you. Showing you eternity is set in your heart. That no matter what comes your way on this earth. No matter what storms you go through. No matter what you're feeling when the waves are rocking your life. And the boat is rocking where you feel like you're going to go over the edge. And you not got any clue this was going to happen in your life. Jesus says to you today, listen to me. I'm the anchor. And I want to bring fullness into your life. Not by making everything nice till you die. But that you can hold on to something so you realize that there's more to life than what you're in. Life's but a vapor. Do you understand that? My mum used to say to me all the time, Phil, life's going so quickly. It's going so quick. The other day I was talking that I've lived here now. I remember the day I set off to university to come down here 18 years ago. I remember the day my mum said to me, in three years you'll be coming back. And I, I'm still here today, 18 years later. Life's gone quick. I've spent more time down in, in the south than I have the north. So I'm officially a southerner. I am now officially a southerner. I'm no longer a northerner. I told them that on the phone. I said, I'm a southerner. Do you believe that? God wants to give you his fullness. He wants to give you fullness. He says, I want you to have life to the full. He said, I'm, I'm not only the shepherd, but I'm the gate. I'm the access. I'm the one for you to come in. But he said this, this is interesting. We looked at the other week, we saw that Jesus, uh, that we saw the, the parable of the kingdom of God, that we, we see that he says, it's like a man who finds treasure in a field. When he finds the treasure, he says he doesn't just say, oh, look, I found the treasure. Look at my treasure, everyone. He says the one who finds the kingdom of God is like a man who finds treasure. And then he, he goes away and, and buys the whole field. He, he goes away, comes back, buys the whole field. Because there's so much more to explore in the kingdom of God than just salvation. That's no disrespect to salvation. But I meet so many people who say I'm saved and I ain't doing anything else. I'm waiting to go to heaven. I believe that Jesus, when he said this, they shall be saved by me. But he says they'll come in and go out. What does he mean by that? 
In other words, he says this, when you enter the kingdom of God and you're saved, that's giving your life to Jesus, surrendering to him, receiving the gift of eternal life. He goes on to say this, he doesn't say that's it, deal done, you're, you're now a religious Christian. No, he says you're saved, but listen to me, I want you to understand that you can come in and go out. Do you know what I believe that means? Dual citizenship. You've got to operate in dual citizenship. You've got to operate sometimes and you've got to be pretty normal. The Bible talks about, in prophecy, it talks about the gifts of the spirit. It says that our spirit is subject to the prophet. In other words, you can control yourself. If you're filled with the spirit of God, you can control yourself. I've met so many people who look totally uncontrollable. I don't know whether they're possessed or not. They look uncontrollable. The spirit is subject to you. You can control yourself. You don't get overtaken, so you can't do anything, so everyone's got to wait until you be quiet. No, the Spirit is subject to you. So, Jesus says we'll go in and out. That means that when you go to work tomorrow morning, you may have dual citizenship. You may have citizenship in heaven, but listen, you can't walk in the office when they say, you know, Dave, have you got the papers ready for the meeting in the next 10 minutes? You say, I'm sorry, but I've got to just speak in tongues for the next 10 minutes. Because I've had such an awesome weekend at church. But the meeting's in 10 minutes. Phil, do you understand? This is an important meeting. Listen to me. I've many times had to control myself. I walk in on, on a morning into work in, in, in my old job and they would say to me, great weekend, what have, and I'd ask them and they'd say, what have you done? they say, oh, I spent Sunday in bed. Saturday was amazing, Saturday night, but I spent all day Sunday in bed. I thought, wow, you paid all day Sunday for one night. That sounds pretty harsh to me. That sounds like a bad weekend. You've lost a day. I've had two. Anyway, tell me more. So they'd then tell me about all the things that they've done over the weekend that they can remember. And then they turn to me and say, what about your weekend? And you, you know, if you turn around to someone and say, well, I've been to church, you, you know that they're going to straight away think, well, that's boring. They don't understand that there is life, that we come from citizenship, that we have to operate in dual citizenship. We have to step out. Because do you know what? We're living in a world at the same time. God understands that we've got to operate, respect our laws and authorities, respect the laws of the land and live in this land as well to the day he returns when his kingdom will be the rule. But for now, dual citizenship. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to say this. If you feel like speaking in tongues and shouting out and telling them that you're not coming to the meeting, my encouragement to you is this. Get the papers ready and get to that meeting as quick as you can. You've got a job to do. Spend your lunch break praying. Control it. We're dual citizenship. We need to learn how to operate, to go in and out. To know the fullness of God. And do you know what happens with that? When you go in and out, when you spend time in his presence and you understand his fullness, you understand that he set eternity in your heart, you understand that there's something far bigger than what work's got to offer on Monday, you understand that it's so big that sometimes you feel like you're going to explode because it's so powerful. That's how I feel sometimes, let me tell you. The more I grasp his kingdom, if I, if you start to feel like that, do you know what happens? You step into your other citizenship and you're so full of the presence of God that things in life do not seem half as bad as what they did before. You're operating through different lenses. Boy, oh boy, you've been, you've been to spec savers. You've been there and you've got some good lenses because these are the lenses of the gospel. These are the lenses of the kingdom of God that say, son, daughter, 
I know it's tough, but look at life through these lenses and you will not go wrong. Because you'll understand it's not about the limitation of this life. You see, some people would say to me, scientists, people of knowledge, they'd say to me, you're living a very limited view to not explore the knowledge of understanding outside your scope of your religion. But I believe this. Many people and scientists, people who are looking at the knowledge of everything about how God exists, they're spending their time writing paperback books about the limitations of the maximum of hopefully 90, 100 years on earth. They're not really looking about what's after that. I'm investing my life into eternity, not into this, this short span. If they, want to re- if they want to spend their life reading books about this short time, that's good for them. But I want to know what's coming after that. And I believe that he puts his spirit in us and releases, reveals the fullness of the kingdom of God daily to us. He says, I'm your daily bread. I'm your daily bread. Commune with me. Talk with me. Know my fullness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need to take time to soak in his presence. Take time. You say, how do I do this? Get away. The Bible tells you this to do it. Jesus said, we need to get away into a, into a quiet place. Sometimes just lay. If you don't know what to pray, just lay, soak his presence. If you read in the Bible in Exodus, it talks about Moses, that when he came down, he brought the two tablets with the commandments. I know it sounds old school. It sounds like we've gone back a bit here. But listen to me, even then, when he came down, he was radiant with the glory of God. Even then, he was radiant And I'll tell you something, there's something about when we carry the radiance of God. We were out the other night, we we met, I believe we met darkness right in the face as we brought the light of the gospel. We carried the radiance into the streets of Cambridge. I want to encourage you, it's not changed. Jesus says, I'm the same yesterday, today and forever. If his radiance comes on Moses when he comes down with the Ten Commandments, then his radiance will be upon you if you spend time with him. It will be a radiance that the world has not seen before. It comes from the Spirit of God. Number three today is I believe through this we'll see God's protection. We'll know God's protection. We sung earlier, I'm not sure what song it was, but a great song, Boldly I Approach Your Throne, I think it was, that in that song, it was, I think it was one of the songs we, 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 we sang this morning, was talking about God being our shield as well, protecting us through these times, tough times. Listen to me, one thing we need to know, the Holy Spirit, it says that the Holy Spirit will be a comforter to us. God is not a God who's far, far away. He says, I'll give you my Holy Spirit and he will be a comforter to you. We need to know God's protection. When we looked earlier, we read in John chapter 10, verse 11 to 13, he says, Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his down, lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Listen to me. The enemy is out to destroy. We, we read that earlier that he comes with an agenda to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come to bring life. Amen. The devil's got an agenda to steal, kill and destroy. And that's what his purpose is, is to ruin our relationship with God, to drive people away and put a block and spiritual blindness so they never see the glorious gloriousness of the gospel. 
That's what his agenda is till the end comes. And I want to say to you that Jesus says that I'm the one, the shepherd. I'm not a hired hand. I'm not someone who, when trouble comes, will leave you on your own. Because listen to me, I don't know if you've ever had this, but there's sometimes you can have friends that they look like they're your friends, but as soon as some real trouble comes, they leave you. You thought they were your closest friends and they leave you. You, 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 you know, you do ring them up and they're not there. You text them or even so they've defriended you on Facebook. I, I read the other day, I don't know if this is true, but they're going to bring out an unlike button on Facebook. Just for the times we want to unlike something or dislike or whatever. I think this is horrendous. People will start to not like things that people say. It's just getting ridiculous. But listen to me. The enemy wants to come steal, kill and destroy. And there's friends of ours. And this is the enemy. The enemy might bring you in your life some joy. He might bring you, you feel like all things are together. But when really, when everything goes wrong, he's not there to pick up the pieces. Jesus talked about a parable. He talked about the foundations being built on good foundations. Because he says when the storm comes, you better make sure. He was talking to Christians that you better make sure that you are building your house. You are building everything in your life on good foundations and not the sand. Because when the sea comes, it will take it away. When the enemy gets you to try and build, even Christians, building our lives on false hopes, building our lives following the voice of the enemy because we're not really communing with Jesus. We end up building our lives on sand. And then when the when things go wrong, Satan's far gone away, watching you crumble. Whereas Jesus says, I'm the one who wants to stick around. When the wolf comes to attack, I want to be the one that is the shepherd that scares the wolf off and helps you in everything that you do. I want to encourage you today that he says, I want to be your protector. I want to be the one who protects you. You will know my protection in the kingdom of God. When you get close to me in intimacy, you'll understand that I'm your protector. These things only come through relationship. You'll only know that someone is going to protect you. How many times do you turn on these programs on TV and the dating programs and they're saying, I just want a, a, a person who's, I want a guy who's going to protect me, look after me. <sighs> it's hard work. Protect me. I want someone who's going to financially sustain me and protect me when, you know, I want to know I'm protected and safe. You know, these are good things. This is what women want you see this many times so the, the man has to give these things but listen to me the enemy sometimes he can't stick around and he goes and leaves you when things are crumbling but jesus says i want to be the one who comes around you and i want to protect you but listen it only comes through relationship only comes through when you get to know jesus if you get close you'll understand that he's your protector you can't just say god is my protector you've got to believe it psalm 91 I want to read to you now. It's going to come on the screen, hopefully, in the message version. But I want to read Psalm 91 to you, verses 1 to 13. Probably best to read on the screen. But it says this. The writer says, You who sit down in the, in the high God's presence, spend the night in, shadow, in Shaddai's shadow. That's God's shadow. Say this. God, you're my refuge. I trust in you and I'm safe. That's right. He rescues you from hidden traps, shields you from deadly 
hazards. His huge outstretched arms protect you. Under them you're perfectly safe. His arms fend off all harm. Fear nothing. Not wild wolves in the night. Not flying arrows in the day. Not disease that prowls through the darkness. Not disaster that erupts at high noon. Even though others succumb all around. Drop like flies right and left. No harm will even graze you. I read the message because I believe that there's some really impacting words in that. But listen to me, you might be feeling like that psalmist there. You want to understand what it is to know God's protection. When darkness comes around you, you don't know what's going wrong. When disease that prowls through the darkness and disaster that erupts in your life, when these things are coming at you at 100 mile an hour and you have not got the strength to fend them off. You need to know what the psalmist knew. That God is your protection. He is your shield. Your fortress through this life. And I want to encourage you today to know that protection. It only comes when you get into relationship. You operate in his kingdom in intimacy. And you get to know Jesus Christ as your own personal saviour. Every single day of your life. You know, I knew when I was growing up, my dad, I knew I was safe and I always trusted my dad's word. That's personally my relationship. I trusted his word. But do you know that only came through relationship? It only came through the fact that he showed that I could trust him. God sent you today. Don't just read a book and listen to someone's words and say, okay, I'll accept it. You're my protector. Jesus says to you today, I want want you to get into a relationship with me. So that you can understand that I am your protector through relationship. Hallelujah. Final thing today is this. I believe that through intimacy, we will know God's authority. But we will also know our authority in Christ. We will know God's authority. I don't believe sometimes some people don't grasp the fact of the authority that you carry. When we were out again the other day operating on the streets and people saw, some people, some, someone said to me this, they said, how on earth are you operating with this authority and faith? I said, well, it's because of the Holy Spirit. It's, be, it's not because I've trained myself to try and have so much faith. The Holy Spirit gives us the faith. We need to operate and flow in it and know the authority which we carry. So many of us today don't think we have any authority. We believe God might have the authority, but we don't believe we carry any authority. Let's just read again what Jesus finishes off by saying in John chapter 10, which totally separated his hearers on what he said. He said, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. And then then we see that the Jews start to say he's demon possessed. How can you say that? Do you listen to me now? Do you know what Jesus said at the end of his little sermon? Do you know what he said after he just opened the man's blind eyes? Do you know what he was saying right there and then? He was saying to these guys as they listened. He was saying, listen guys, 
I know you think I'm crazy. You've just seen a healing, a miracle. You've just seen someone who's born blind get healed. and You still can't see. I'm trying to tell you that through relationship with me, you will find life. And you won't jump over the fence trying to do it through knowledge in any other means and any other ways. Only through me you'll find it. But listen to me. The reason that my father loves me is because he has given, I am going to lay my life down for my friends and I'm going to pick it back up again. Jesus was saying to his hearers, and this sounds very crazy, he was saying, I've got the authority to lay my life down, to give myself up, and then I have the authority to bring myself back to life again. There is no one ever on this earth you will ever find who has brought themselves back from the dead themselves. Only Jesus Christ. There is no one. Jesus said, listen, I know that this sounds crazy, but listen, I have got the authority to lay my life down and to pick it back up again. There is only one person who can do that. His name is Jesus, but there is only one who can do it and it is God himself. God who has the authority to bring life. Hallelujah. No wonder they said he's crazy. This guy is saying that he can die even if we killed him and he would come back to life. This sounds like a kingdom far, far away. This sounds like he's lost it now. He must have a demon. He must have a demon. He's lost it. This cannot be true. How can he say these things? Listen to me. These are true things. He said... He said that he could pick his life back up again. Did you know that Jesus did not have to die? He didn't have to take the cup. He didn't have to choose that. He could have turned around to him and said, Do you know I've come? And this world is pretty messed up. And I don't know if I want to do this. Because listen, if you read the scriptures, you will see. Jesus had many opportunities to turn it, turn away from going to the cross. I believe we see these many times, opportunities where he could have have accepted, but he he didn't turn away. He accepted the cup of suffering. But Jesus says, I am the one who has the life and authority to come back to life again. You kill me off, you watch what happens. You watch what happens, because I will come back. Jesus was defining his authority. And I want you to understand this. We serve a God. When you give your life to Jesus, he says, I'm going to put my spirit on the inside of you. And he says, the, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of us. If the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and brought life into death, the same spirit lives in you, then you have authority. You carry an authority that is not known in this land or your citizenship in this land. You carry an authority from heaven. Now some may say today, he's preaching, he's crazy. He's crazy to believe that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, dead, even if I believe that, that he's now telling me that I've got the same spirit. This is what the Bible says. And listen to me, I've come to understand and know it myself, that I carry an authority that is far bigger and above and beyond what I carry. I have no authority myself, only authority through God himself, through Jesus. You could be, where do you sit today? Do you sit like them hearers? You're on one camp or the other. He's crazy. I mean, the other day when I was operating and praying for the sick and seeing God do miraculous things, people 
people went past and chuckled at me. And I, do you know what happens when people laugh? I just, it, it crumbles me inside because I know what hope we have. I know what God has revealed. And I don't want to get in contest with them or arguments, but I, it, it crushes me because I know what's there on offer and it's free. It's completely free, but yet people will laugh. People laughed at Jesus. They said, you're crazy, but it didn't stop him. He wants you to know you have authority and you have a, an opportunity today to listen and to say, I don't know, I don't know whether this is true. I'm happy to just go to church and have religion and not really have authority and just accept that I'm just little old me and that's kingdom far, far away and that's not for me. But I'm coming here to tell you today and I believe this is the word of the Lord to you. This is that you, the kingdom of God is near. It's not far, far away. And you, every single person who's a believer in Jesus Christ as an authority that you have never imagined in all your life. You've just got to look to it, believe in it. Jesus said, only believe. All things are possible. Only believe. Don't listen to just me. Believe on the word of God and his testimony. Hallelujah. Where do you sit today? Do you think you have authority? Luke 10 verse 19 to 20. Jesus said, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. If you want authority, check out your name in heaven. Because Jesus says, listen, don't get happy about the fact that you can cast out demons. Don't be getting all praising about that. Rejoice that you, your names are written in heaven. If you want authority, your name is written in that place. Only when you surrender your life to him. I don't know whether you feel you have that authority. I don't know whether you feel today that you need to ask God to give you more of it, to more of his spirit to know it. But it comes just by hearing the word, hearing it and acting on it. Have you ever acted on that word? It's amazing what authority does. I remember some of my friends when I was younger, they used to go out and they tried to trick people by taking hairdryers out on the side of the street, and pretending that they were the police with a speed gun. It's amazing how many cars slow down when you hold a hairdryer up to them. It's cr- you should try it. It's real fun. When we were bored, we just used to get the hairdryers. Hold up a hairdryer. You don't even have a uniform. As long as you're holding something, they just think, oh, I better slow down. It's amazing. You don't need to have a uniform. When someone sees this, and let me tell you, to operate in authority, you've got to act like it. You've got to act like it. You've got to know your position, know your place in authority. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.